Welcome to Track Listing, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And this week, it's my pick. I picked a film from 1995, Johnny Mnemonic. All right. Johnny! The Keanu Reeves classic. Yeah. So it's a classic in quotations. Uh, this is a film that I, I have to say that I never own the soundtrack, but I I was very enticed by the movie when I was a youngster. Mm-hmm. Mostly because um, the rental VHS, it had like a little uh, clear opening where you could see the tape of the, the VHS under it showing through the forehead of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. It was like pretty good direct graphic Excellent design. marketing. Um, I chose this film for a couple reasons. First of all, I should say that it is a film that's set in uh, January 2021. The so distant I, future 2021. It's the nightmarish 2021. <laughs> it's always like a, it's always really fun to check in on films that are like predicting the time you're in. And uh, I feel like sometimes when it's like Blade Runner and it's, it's decades apart and it's like uh, so different, but this is, is maybe a little bit more interesting because they took a little bit of, uh, they took some big swings, and mm-hmm. uh, they were dealing with maybe kind of a narrow threshold of, uh, of you know, it's only less than 20 years from when it was made. Um, this is 1995. The film came out, right? 95. So 25 years later. And the other reason I picked this film, the last uh, movie we reviewed was American Psycho. And in Patrick Bateman's apartment, you see some Robert Longo drawings or prints. And this is a film directed by Robert Longo. Yeah. Who is a uh, kind of famous 80s painter, well, not really a painter, drawer. Is it a good idea for an artist to uh, get into filmmaking? Let us find out. This is the only only uh, feature-length film that Robert Longo directed. He He A bunch of REM videos, He directed some REM. He directed New Order's Love Triangle, Bizarre Love Triangle, I think he directed the video for. Um, Great song. He did the album cover art for a few records. Uh, I think most notably a replacements album. Tim, he did the album cover for, and it's kind of a, I think widely regarded as a terrible album cover. But uh, what a talented guy! There's a lot to talk about uh, in this movie, and maybe a little bit to talk about the soundtrack as well. So let's jump in. Let's hear some of track one. This is stabbing westward with lost. Stabbing Westward, I think we've heard from them on the faculty soundtrack or in the film, but maybe not on the soundtrack. I think they were on the faculty soundtrack. They were in uh, the film Lost Boys, but didn't make it onto the official release. Bad Boys. Sorry, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. This band always sounds to me like uh, like some nightmare that Eddie Vedder is having. <laughs> like Pearl Jam adjacent. You're not far off. You're not far off. I uh, I scoured the uh, the movie for this song, but it does not appear. This in is a uh, yeah coming in with the first track is a, a bonus track not included in the bonus film. Track. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like something we're going to run into a lot on the soundtrack is that this is a genre of music that I am not a big fan of. Um, so maybe 
I feel like I'm, I'm going to be uh, gentle in my review and that I know that a lot of people are kind of um, bigger fans of this is like actually a precursor to new metal. So this, I guess a lot of the music on the soundtrack would be regarded as like industrial. You're not big on a aggressive metal. mood, <laughs> you know, but that, the thing about stabbing Westward, I remember them in the nineties and uh, I think one of one or two of their band members throughout the years had been in nine inch nails and there was makes sense. Amongst um, myself and my peers, when Nine Inch Nails came out, there was a big, uh, people were looking for like other bands that were good and sounded like Nine Inch Nails. And I think uh, the reality was that there probably were none. Yeah, they're the only ones. (laughs) Yeah, they were like the, they were so much better than the rest of kind of industrial 90s rock that, uh, you know, maybe if we'd found, you know, some of the earlier precursors. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of bands that were kind of, on you know i don't want to say on the coattails because some of the bands like uh predated nine inch nails but it's like they got caught up in the wake of like this uh industrial rock trend and a lot of it was uh so so to like really bad and i think this stabbing westward is probably so so yeah i would say it's so so i i felt like you were kind of punishing us uh with this soundtrack uh <laughs> I think the, there's a lot of score in this movie uh, that sort of blends into some of the soundtrack. But um, yeah, so far, uh, Rocky Start. Uh. <laughs> well, we should say, okay, so the film, uh, for anybody listening that wants to watch the film, if they haven't already, it is, I think, streaming on Hulu. That is correct. Um, and also, maybe do a quick rundown on, on the plot, just if people haven't seen Yeah, sure. Uh, Keanu Reeves plays Johnny Mnemonic. And uh, uh, he is a data courier, and he is basically smuggling out information in his brain. Uh, so he gets implanted with some, like, maybe high, top-secret bad stuff. And then this stuff kind of all goes awry when he's trying to smuggle this, um, smuggle it to where it needs to go. And then, um, you know, you're introduced into, like, oh, there's this stuff called NAS, which is, like, a disease that half of the world has um and then we meet a bunch of colorful characters maybe too many characters uh in some people's opinion yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) i might agree with that we should say this is a a film that was based on the work and i think the original screenplay was written by william gibson gibson william gibson is a a titan in uh in you know cyberpunk cyberpunk probably he may be most famous now for having coined phrases like uh like cyberspace which is something that Seems like it should be more dated than it is. Like, 1995 was a big year for cyberpunk, too, because we, uh, the Tank Girl uh, soundtrack that we've covered before also came out uh, two months before Johnny Mnemonic. That's right. So we're in the, the age of cyberpunk. Yeah, well, I feel like we're probably still in the age of cyberpunk, but this is, William Gibson is a person, a writer, who is uh, very highly regarded mm-hmm. in fiction, science fiction. The and Sprawl kind of, trilogy is huge. Uh, Neuromancer is as big. Yeah, uh, Neuromancer was like yeah. the big... But um, of all these sci-fi uh, writers, he has not found much success in adaptation. Mm-hmm. In that I, there's been numerous projects that have been in the works that never really got made. And there's been things like even anime that like were supposed to be made and then never, like fell through. Yeah. And this might be one of the few like feature length films that is actually based on a William Gibson piece of uh, literature, and it's 
I mean, we'll talk about it, but it's not that great. <laughs> there's a there's a ton of articles about like how this basically broke William Gibson as far as like how stressed out he was over this whole process, and maybe that could be some of the reason why he hasn't done a lot of adaptations or something. Mm-hmm. If this like broke his brain, <laughs> if you thought uh, that track by Stabbing Westward was uh, a little too dark, uh, so did their label. <laughs> And so did their manager. Uh, They got a new manager around this time, and the manager and their label were pushing for Stabbing Westward to do an album with a heavy pop influence, (laughs) which uh, created a lot of tension with the band members in Stabbing Westward and eventually led to their uh, demise. Oh, God. It was like their smiley agent. Hey, guys, you know what I think would be great? I love Lost. Have you heard Goo Goo Dolls? Have you heard them? They're doing great. Let's see if uh, track two has uh, some uh, positive vibes. This is Cop Shoot Cop with 3 a.m. Incident. guys feeling about track two it kind of sounds like a poor man's sound garden to me a little bit yeah well i mean there's a funny thing going on with a soundtrack where can't wait till we get to a favorite and least favorite track already (laughs) if you listen to uh the soundtrack and if you watch the movie it's kind of hard to pick up on where where the songs appear uh they're not featured very prominently i read a few articles about how there were like different scores that people had done through that, and like the filmmaker Robert Longo, I think he, I think he lost control of the film yeah. um, before it was released, and there was a lot of like different things, and I think a lot of the music kind of got leached out of uh, the film in favor of score. Mm-hmm. This is a third credits song. Yeah, a third and credits song third never bode well. <laughs> it's funny. I I have to assume, even though uh, I feel like when we get to soundtracks, like the more you look into it the more it's like a divorce from the making of the film in a lot of ways but i these are a lot of new york bands uh robert longo obviously is like a, i think he was born in brooklyn he's a new york artist and i feel like there was a weird thing going on so this is 95 um we're well into the grunge revolution but grunge obviously was like uh, centered in the northwest and there was some but these are a lot of bands that were New York bands that had predated the explosion of grunge. And this was kind of maybe a weird kind of, uh, I would say, what, what's like the other side of the coin music from the, uh, dark underbelly of New York city. I remember that uh, cop shoot cop also had some music videos that were played on headbangers ball on MTV. Nice. And, uh, they still retain a cult following and, uh, they're out of print releases, uh, bought and sold amongst their fans for uh, sometimes sizable amounts of uh, cryptocurrency. Ooh, so keep yeah. a lookout. Yeah. I mean, you gotta they, get the NFT uh, on that. I feel like there's there's a rich tradition of uh, of bands trying to pretend that they didn't get their band names from like uh, gross sources, and that <laughs> you know, like the Crystal Method is uh, is the famous thing where it's like, no, there was a way that 
people were talking a friend of ours was trying to date a girl named crystal or whatever nope <laughs> yeah. no no it's about drugs yeah and uh in a similar way i think this band at one point said that there was some like new york post headline that was like it was about a uh, policeman shooting another policeman accidentally uh but in reality i, I think <laughs> what a great band name idea well i think the reality is it's a heroin reference in that you you cop you shoot you cop you shoot you cop heroin uh, uh. And uh, Way you know, my head. 1995 in Manhattan, I think there was a lot of heroin use. Mm. Yeah, this is this would have been like peak heroin yeah, yeah, yeah. era, uh, bad stuff. On uh, a lighter note, yes. 1995, People magazine named Brad Pitt sexiest man alive. Oh, hey, nice. Probably for the first of many times, I yeah, would imagine. The checks good out. for Brad. I feel like you know, <laughs> just he's looking guy. good on that cover. It's it's long hair, Brad Pitt. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's like Legend of the Fall, yeah. Brad Pitt. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, also uh, the year of the Pog. Oh, nice. Pogs. Were you guys big on slammers and yeah, pogs? Yeah, I got it in the pogs. Yes. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. What are you taking There were for? pog stores at the mall. Okay, we got to find some Johnny Mnemonic pogs. Oh, man. <laughs> that they're out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that seems like it would be something that existed. Uh, there was a video game, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, for the Sega Saturn or the Sega CD, uh, I believe. Was that the one that was like fully developed and they didn't uh, pull the release trigger on? It, it re- was released, but it was the only release for this video game company. It was Sony uh, Image Works or Image Pictures or something. Uh-huh. And different um, Johnny Mnemonic. It was uh, <laughs> Keanu Reeves' character was played by a guy named Christopher Garten. <laughs> and I thought that was oh, kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it was one of those games where, like... It's like a movie, and you make decisions, and then it like plays another movie, and it was just a disaster. How futuristic. Just a disaster. Yeah, that was a big 90s thing, where it's like, we can make a movie look like uh, like two glowing balls, and you can do whatever you want, or we can make it look like a movie, and you can't do anything. I think I had like a uh, CD-ROM <laughs> Windows game of The Mask. Yeah. <laughs> and that came, I think it was the same year. I think it was Solid. 95. Yeah. And uh, you basically just watch clips from the movie. <laughs> it's like... It's like it's not a game. <laughs> do you want the mask to freeze or do you want him to wolf whistle? <laughs> All right, Nikki, what do we got next? You guys want to hear some of track number three? Let's do it. This is Helmet with Complete. His mouth is always clean and right. He needs his Helmet is one of those bands I remember from childhood. In the summertime, my friends and I would go peruse uh, new music to buy at this place called CD Warehouse. Yeah. And uh, we were there with our friend Robbie. And uh, anytime Robbie left the house, his parents would make him wear a helmet. (laughs) It's like kind of crazy. And I remember we were at CD Warehouse and we're perusing and we see uh, Helmet's first album that was called Strap It On. And we're like, Robbie, helmet, strap Strap on. on. It's like, oh, fuck you guys. (laughs) Sorry, Robbie. I remember Helmet um, only for one reason, and that they were on the Crow soundtrack, which was uh, 
I mean, that's a soundtrack that we're going to get around to. We're kind of like holding off on it because it's... Yeah, what are we waiting for exactly yeah. for The Crow? You I don't know. waiting for something. You've dog-eared it for like <laughs> yeah, a year yeah. and a half now. It's one of the my nearest and dearest. Same with Top Gun, too. We're going to... We're waiting for something. That one's mine. I'm waiting for the right time. <laughs> well, Top Gun, we're waiting for the sequel to finally come <laughs> yeah, out. That's which true. Is, that's true. It's been in like ready for release for about two years now. Revenge of Goose, I think it's my <laughs> <laughs> but uh his helmet is i think it's another east coast kind of uh sludgy sludgy rock band they have a, they have a really good song uh er, from earlier i think like 92 called unsung that i that i listen to still mm-hmm. it's very kind of faith no more um yeah, i think is. this is a band that was famous for having two bass players and no lead guitar oh boy i will go as far <laughs> to say that i don't think uh this music has aged that well no. no. What do you can we uh, for someone with uh, an unaccustomed ear? What do we call this? Is this like industrial grunge? Sure. Yeah. What do you think? I think that one of the industrial rock. One of yeah. the uh, saving graces of the soundtrack is that we never get to new metal. Right. This is a lot of music that it, that's that new it, with a U. Yeah. We tease it, which is something that yeah. <laughs> All this music is going to lead directly. This is inspiring the bands that might have done some of the worst music that that we've ever heard, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But so, yeah, this is like industrial rock. Okay. And a lot of these bands, when I was reading about them, they... Uh, they're a little defensive on on their uh like saying what their influences are yeah and they were always saying that like you know we're actually more influenced by like depeche mode than you know because i think a lot of them didn't want to get lumped in with kind of a that was a through line with a lot of the bands on the soundtrack i noticed that depeche mode was a cited influence for almost everybody interesting there were a lot of depeche mode influences and a lot of these bands ended up on uh mortal Kombat soundtracks and (laughs) i've I've talked about that one for ages yeah Uh, saving it stabbing (laughs) stabbing westward stabbing westward is on the Mortal. they are that's right i was reading that there were there were several like uh music inspired by the film uh mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot yeah. of uh, offshoots for that soundtrack. Almost all these bands uh, had some sort of Mortal Kombat connection. <laughs> yeah, you weren't a 90s industrial rock band if you weren't on one of the Mortal Kombat offshoots. Specifically inspired by Kano uh, from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Kano! <laughs> oh, love, give us a break! <laughs> <That did. laughs> um, uh, I was a Raiden man myself. Oh, Raiden, yeah. Especially Christopher Lambert. Luke <laughs> <laughs> <Just> Kang. <Luke> oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that song was playing um, in that weird club that we see uh, quite a bit in the movie where Udo Kier se- seems mm-hmm. to sort of, Ralphie in the movie, seems to sort of um, run the, the the game there. And this is uh, playing without any lyrics and an opera singer on stage is sort of singing over it. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, when I was watching this film with my girlfriend, she, she was pointing out a lot of uh, Fifth Element references. That's what I was going to... Which is very... This is a film, Fifth Element, Luc Besson, came out only two years later. Yeah, 97. And they could not look like they... like Fifth Element, I maintain, could come out now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not maybe the greatest film, but it would look appropriate like oh yeah this is like set in the future it looks great yeah <laughs> johnny mnemonic looks like it was made in like 85 this was real 80s future yeah, like yeah. a lot of 80s b movies were like don't go there those are the cyber splatter punk <laughs> junkyard kids <laughs> they're just like yeah they're you can tell it's the future because they have a bunch of crazy shit on their face <laughs> um, this uh there's a ton of influence from this movie i mean the matrix was like 
there's so many similarities to it and i don't even think they've expressly stated that they were influenced by this directly but they had to be they well, approached keanu I mean, well, yeah you can see how well keanu was primed to uh you know get cherry picked for the matrix after you know being in this movie yeah they, well i mean you, william gibson was such a like a titan of like uh, sci-fi in the 80s and 90s that you know even if maybe this film wasn't very influential i think his writing so it's all kind of like tied in together uh ghost in the shell i think was very influenced by this the the 95 anime movie but it it came out the same year so maybe it wasn't i don't know if it was concurrent or what Um, we can get into the tank girl similarities but uh maybe we should hear a little bit of track four iced tea (laughs) iced tea tea. (laughs) track four this is orbital with sad but true I mean, on this podcast, we talk about a lot of bands that are, you know, putting out music that's 20, 30 years old. And uh, I think there's different ways to talk about, like, successful songs. Like, some songs sound like they could have been made today. And Mm -hmm. that's, like, an amazing thing. And we've talked about Orbital before on, uh, I think, the Hacker soundtrack. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe other soundtracks as well. A lot and of it's, hacker, hacker parallels here. Um, yeah, very this much is so. like a Orbital's a band that doesn't sound timeless. Like this is a '90s electronic band, but I think it holds up pretty well. Whenever we run into one of their tracks, I'm always like pretty happy about it. Yeah, they were big on those early rave tracks, mm-hmm. and um, I think that they definitely have some classic songs. Their song in Hackers was uh, you know pretty good, but the I don't. on and on and on. Yeah. I don't think that this track is one of those. I kind of like this track. I don't mind that. Actually, it's probably my favorite one we've heard so far. But I think you're right. It's like it's specific to a '90s techno sound, and I think they're limited in like the amount of computer sounds that computers <laughs> made in the '90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you're like, oh yeah, the computers don't make sounds like that anymore. And that's why. You know? Oh, what I was gonna say about uh, Ice T and uh, Tank Girl. Yeah. You know, Tank Girl came out two months before Johnny Mnemonic. Mm-hmm. The sets of both of these movies look so similar. And Ice-T, you know, kind of is rocking a similar vibe. I'm kind of convinced that Ice-T never left the set of Tank Girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. And they <laughs> just showed up and kind of used what they had left over to make Johnny Mnemonic. I can't remember. I gotta go, oh, he like shows up and he's in the kangaroo thing. He's like, ah, ah. trying to pull a Miss Doubtfire sort of situation. <laughs> like, Bugger. Be right back. <laughs> Uh, so Tank Tank Girl is set in Australia. I can't remember. I don't think it was filmed there. This movie was filmed in Canada. I think they split mm-hmm. between Montreal and maybe Vancouver. Always, it's always Vancouver. Uh, it's supposed, <laughs> it supposedly set in Shanghai and Newark, which I think is kind of funny that it's not even New York. It's Newark. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. the free uh, city of Newark. <laughs> we should talk about how do you guys feel about the future of of twenty twenty one? Well, Newark looks the same. I say they they got that perfectly spot on. <laughs> yeah, the industrial Shant- plants, the, the shanty towns, yeah. uh, the abandoned malls. <laughs> I mean, there are certain, you know, the movies taking place in 2021, and you know, a lot of it 
felt uh, not too far off from the from the nightmare that we're currently experiencing. Well, it's funny. So this is a film. It's that's, kind of like a fantasy parallel. It's yeah. a film that's obsessed with the prominence uh, that the internet will take. Mm-hmm. So it's all about like in the future, everybody's going to be doing stuff on the internet. Yeah. But in this movie, it seems like only a few people really know how to use the internet. Like uh, Johnny is like talking to uh, he he hires a bodyguard. And uh, Dina Meyer, yeah, Dina Meyer, Jane, Starship Troopers, which yeah, is one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like he, I guess it's it's one of those lazy things where you have to explain to a character so the audience understands what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But but she doesn't seem to. She's like, wait, you're doing what? And he's like, I'm going into cyberspace. So it's a movie where it's like <laughs> yes. cyber. But in reality, what are you doing? <laughs> compared to now, like uh, the internet is way more present in people's lives than yeah. it. Like it's even though this movie is set in nightmarish future where the internet rules everything. Like nobody's looking at their phones, which is refreshing. (laughs) It's like everybody, they're doing video calls, but it's on like, you know, like desktop things that pop up. Uh, There's one part in the film where it turns out that one of the characters is just a, it's like a deep fake. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of cool because, like, the villain, instead of, like, just using the face, they have, like, a hand puppet. Yeah. It's like, why not just, like, do the face like we do now? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they still have pay phones. Yeah, uh, so it's a movie that, set in Nightmare's Future, it seems to be actually, like, uh, less revolving around the internet than, than an actual 2021. But it's also a Nightmare's Future where it's only nighttime. And it's, like... Uh, there's like hotels and then it's just wastelands outside of the hotels. Yeah. It's the opening title scroll sort of talks about like, I guess corporations run everything. And then like they hire the Yakuza to enforce like stuff like that. You got big pharma. He's caught in the middle of the war between the Yakuza and big pharma. He's, he's right about like pharma ruining everything in America. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Pretty They're spot like, on. He's a, maybe a little bit of a head start on the crumbling infrastructure. There's like a lot yeah. of like big bridges that people are <laughs> just living in. Yeah. I was kind of watching that and I was just seeing like Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, maybe we should jump into the next track. Yeah, let's hear some of track number five. This is KMFDM with Virus Pestilence Mix. KMFDM. I will admit, I don't know a ton of KFDM music, but uh, anytime that I've heard songs of theirs, I always can just hear the influence of them on Trent Reznor, like undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. German band, they definitely predated the kind of American industrial rock explosion. Uh So they're like, you know, maybe elder statesmen of the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and uh, definitely a very dated sound. Um, I remember as a kid, everybody used to say, it means kill motherfucking Depeche Mode. Yeah. Probably not. Apparently all these guys loved fucking Depeche Mode. I I think (laughs) think it's an acronym for their names. Yeah. It was a German phrase about like uh, no sympathy for the majority or something. Uh Um, They, they sound very fascist, but I think their politics were actually pretty cool. (laughs) They were like, they were pretty chill. (laughs) Um, There were some lyrics in this uh, that (laughs) 
may be hinting that the fact that English isn't their first language, but they're talking about like how to take certain drugs. And then in the movie, I had to rewind to make sure I heard it right. But there's one li- lyric that's like, ram it up your poop shoot. You know why? It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very sad we didn't hear that part. I was like, they say poop shoot. <laughs> Ram it up your poop shoot in this movie, uh, in this song. What so, kind of drugs are we talking about here? What I, do you think they're referencing, Chris? I assume... Probably the internet, I guess. Probably internet. Yeah, probably, probably internet. internet. Yeah. Uh, internet. The song is playing when they're... We're introduced to the free city of Newark. Uh, and it's like kind of just panning over like, you know, what uh, crippling ruins ruins lie where New Jersey once was so proud and tall. So uh, the virus out there, you know, the, this film is uh, a lot. The, a lot of the subtext is there's this plague that's like uh, kind of. I mean, it's it's affecting the entire world, and it turns out that it's just the exposure. It's overexposure to like radio waves. And uh, like, Henry Rollins says it's like information, but in reality, it's you know, it's like broadcast, whatever. Even though uh, it doesn't seem to be a world with much Wi-Fi, everything's like hardjacked in. Yeah. Um, Henry Rollins kind of playing the character that has all the answers. Yeah. Like yeah. the key. Key. spider he's got a huge role in this movie and and we can talk about like how many important roles go to people in this movie that like aren't really actors or are very bad actors <laughs> henry rollins has been in a ton of movies yeah. um maybe I, most notably jack frost jack frost uh, i thought uh, that henry rollins was pretty good in this i feel like pretty good a His little he's like a too. little bit like you know he's one of the good guys but <laughs> His whole diatribe makes reminds me of like the five G towers thing. Yeah, I know. It's, I was thinking of the exact. I was like, and he was right about the five G towers. We should say in this movie, and much like two thousand twenty one, we're worried about a international virus. But uh, in this one, no cell service. <laughs> Maybe this is the movie that uh, that gave birth to the conspiracy theories about COVID five G. <sighs> yeah, I guess. that one's still throwing me for a loop. <laughs> people that believe that somehow COVID is transmitted through the use of 5g 5G towers oh god (laughs) Um, but yeah rollins plays a pretty prominent role in this and uh we'll hear one of his songs later with the rollins band but um big ups to rollins for just being able to deliver some like really maybe some of the most difficult monologues in the film with like how serious you're supposed to be taking it you know what i mean well Mm -hmm. okay so this is definitely probably the height of people talking about Keanu Reeves as like a bad actor and like this I should say that this script is really bad yeah this movie is bad the direction is bad no, Keanu, uh, but Keanu Ke- is bad Keanu is bad he's really he bad. is really bad in you're this watching movie. this movie you're like this is oh man this is bad and this is like uh, the movie industry to be a movie star it's not many people are allowed to be bad and like keep having a career and by all accounts Keanu Reeves is just a great person to work with Mm -hmm. i think everybody loves him and i think he just kept powering through and he you know it's like not even like he had great instincts like he made some bad movies this is a bad movie he's bad in it but i guess he i think he was just such a sweetheart that he just kept getting more parts and eventually he like got good at being an okay actor i'm surprised that this was like the height of his uh people critiquing him i mean what year did the lake house come out <laughs> he's great in the lake <laughs> so good <laughs> The so magical mailbox that. movie. Oh man, he's really bad at this movie. It's it's one of those. He's one of those stars. I believe this is my theory that. Um, I mean, well, if you do it long enough, you start getting better at it. You're not just shitty forever. But 
Hollywood starts to understand how to write for you as well. And I think The Matrix was great for him because, you know, he's just like, what's happening? <laughs> Who are you? Explain everything to me. <laughs> like, he, he's not doing any of the acting. He's like a stone-faced person. Yeah. In this, he has to emote, and it is like... I want room service. Ten thousand dollar prostitute. Yeah. Some ridiculous lines. It's really bad. I think that uh, the strength of Keanu Reeves' acting is his buy-in. Where it's like, if somebody's like, "We're," it's called the Matrix. We really want you to become an expert in martial arts. Yeah, and like yeah. you have to when you're saying this weird stuff, like you, people have to believe it. Mm-hmm. And he buys in completely, and he's. You know, he's buying into this. When but he it's said just he knew Kung movie. Fu, he meant it. He yeah, meant yeah. It. yeah, he meant it. <laughs> he fucking knew Kung Fu. That's not acting. That's that's reality. Yeah. That's method acting. <laughs> uh, anyways, Nikki, what do we got next? You guys want to jump into track number six, Speak of the Devil. This is Rollins Band with I See Through. more angry mood <laughs> see i with the johnny mnemonic soundtrack i like some black flag but i've never had much uh, success with listening to rollins band it yeah. was like one of those there's been many rollins bands it's kind of like the i think it's henry rollins and he just kind of puts together bands whenever he wants to do a thing um it's funny i think that rollins is probably one of the best parts of the movie acting wise yeah i'd say so I mean, with um, other greats like Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> you may remember Dolph Lundgren from uh, Rocky. Yeah. 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 Um, he did not. That character served no purpose. There's too many bad guys. Yeah. There's he too did, many characters in general, I think, in this movie. Too many bad guys. He didn't need to be there. There's uh, the, the Japanese, the Yakuza hitman. And then there's the, yeah. the Japanese, like... Uh, Takahashi the Pharmacorp is, guy and it's like you don't really need both of those guys no they, they could have streamlined so many aspects of this movie uh, even like the way they get the information out of his brain it's like oh you also have to have these physical images to retrieve it and we have to upload your... And you're like, what? <laughs> like, just, just feel like, yeah, we have to get off your head. I don't know. Like, none of that matters. Uh, oh, and then when they go into his... When they, they hack into his brain, it becomes like, it's real... We, we did the hacker soundtrack and we made fun of cyberspace and hackers. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe more laughable in hackers because hackers is supposedly set in the 90s. And whenever mm-hmm. they go online, it becomes this like weird CGI thing. But the CGI in this is so bananas it's like uh even worse than like lawnmower man people make fun of lawnmower man i got some big lawnmower man vibes <laughs> it's definitely in the same genre but it's like even crazier yeah it's like he ends up looking like the guy from the slim jim commercials in the end <laughs> like when yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. like don't With, worry he's got the big like <laughs> flat top i mean yeah. question for caleb like uh, in the art world you know robert longo having transitioned into making movies is this like a a topic of conversation that ever comes up 
because I know there's been a couple of other artists that have tried to foray into filmmaking. There was um, David Sally and uh, Cindy Sherman both made movies, and uh, Matthew Barney, of course, got into filmmaking and made the Cree Master series, which, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, Have you reached out to Longo for comment? The funny thing about Longo <laughs> is that I think he became famous for a very chic 80s aesthetic. All of his work, uh, at least all the work that I've seen of his, is black and white. It's very like stark. And this is, I think maybe if he was pitching this film, I think famously he said that they, him and William Gibson, they wanted to make this movie and they tried to get it made for like a million and a half yeah. and they couldn't get it done, but they could get it made for 30 million. Yeah. And, and then, and this was backed by Sony. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that yeah, who knows how much control he ultimately had, but like whatever, whatever aesthetic, like I feel like if you're Robert Longo and you're selling your thing. It's like, yeah, Johnny Mnemonic kind of has the the skinny tie. He kind of looks like a Robert Longo character. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, it's like a Robert Longo future should look like blocky and cool and like cold. And instead, it's like the the opposite. It's like it's everything. Like Blade Runner mixed with steampunk. It's, yeah. mixed it's with like Burning way, Man. way very, too tank very... girl, way too tank girl. It's just like <laughs> stuff on stuff on stuff. It just seems like more is more, right? Um, I think that the most successful... Uh, painter that I know making a transition to making films is Julian Schnabel, who mm-hmm. he started with making a film about Basquiat, and then he's made like several great movies. He made uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Yeah. I think uh, arguably uh, Julian Schnabel's films are a lot more interesting and important than his work. I thought it was Schnabel. Schnabel? Yeah, whatever. I, uh, I went to his Lifetime Achievement Award uh, and... Um, <laughs> By the Lone Star Film Festival. It's got to be a real like hard look in the mirror when people start giving you lifetime achievement awards, and you're like, "I'm still alive." They, they, they gave him a. That's a very art world thing. They gave him an award at this Lone Star Film Festival in Fort Worth, and they did like a um, uh, like here's like a hu- like a clip of all of his like amazing movies, and he like got on stage to accept the award after after that, and he was like. Yeah, I don't know who made that um, mashup of my films, but um, I don't know why you would ever pick those clips and put them in that order. <laughs> and by the way, the reason why... What a I, critique. Yeah, those was, clips in that order. Yeah, he like... And it was his own stuff. But he like was so angry. And I was like... But anyway. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about uh, visual artists is they take themselves super seriously. And when you start to transition that attitude towards Hollywood, it's just a real toxic situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about this David Sally movie that I stumbled upon. It's called Search and Destroy. And uh, it was executive produced by Scorsese. And uh, the cast is Ethan Hawke, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, John Turturro, and Rosanna Arquette. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like Johnny Mnemonic, it maintains a very low tomato <laughs> <laughs> after all these years. Uh, the song um, by the Rollins Band was playing uh, when we, I guess, the preacher, street preacher, who is Dolph Lundgren, who's like a Yakuza enforcer, uh, goes to the bar to rough up um, Hookie. The bartender. Oh, yeah, that's like a sad. It's a sad scene. It's a sad scene, and like you can barely hear the song. In the, it's like supposed to be playing on the inside. Yeah, of the it was hard yeah. to hear any of these songs in it's the like, uh, yeah. in the movie. So I, props uh, to Chris for uh, putting d- on the headphones. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really feels like uh, somebody stepped in and kind of leached all of the music out of because mm. so all the music on this soundtrack, uh, love it or hate it, 
you know, probably hate it, but uh, it's all, it has a very particular aesthetic. And if you think about, if you sat down and you're like, I'm going to make a movie set in 2021, it's going to be fucking hellish. It's like you want to have, you know, it's like you're picking music to like, this is the vibe of the entire thing. And to hear like uh, Robert Longo, I can't remember what the, the artist he was, the, the musician that he hired to do it. There's an entire different score. And then I think there's a Japanese release of this movie with another score. I think maybe Brad Fidel was responsible for that score. Who, no, uh, he was the third score. He's the, the score. third score. That's the one that, and I think he was the one because uh, he has like a, a a big career of like working with James Cameron. I think he, he was Terminator the, and um, I think True he, Lies. He was the ringer that they brought in to like uh, fix the movie to clean it up. And you hear a lot of his score over everything, and I think they just kind of like buried everything else. Okay. Eesh. You know, we'll talk about whether that was a good idea or not later, but... Uh, I mean, if they had tried to throw in popular music from 1995 into the movie, I mean, it definitely wouldn't have done any favors. You've got like the Macarena was the <laughs> viral song of the year. <laughs> I'm just saying, if this was like full of like orbital and kind of like early rave music, I would be fucking pumped up. Yeah, I never thought I'd say this, but I want it to sound more like the Hacker soundtrack. Dude, the Hacker soundtrack is good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I gave it a good rating. Anyway, anyway. Guys, it looks like we're coming up on a break. Ah, uh, we're coming up on a break. Uh, at the end of the episode, we are going to add a song to the Tracklisting Spotify playlist. In honor of Johnny Mnemonic, we are each going to pick a song that's uh, about the future past. A song uh, of kind of trying to sound like the future, and we'll talk about whether they're successful or not. And then I actually put together a game for you after the break. All right. Spooky. New game. We're going <laughs> to test out a game. All right. Stick with us. Thank you to everyone for listening to Track Listing Podcast. It's 2021. We got a lot of great soundtracks for you guys. You can also find us on a variety of social media platforms. Oh, you sure can, Nick. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can reach out at, at Track Listing Podcast. That's right, Caleb. And you can also find us on Twitter <laughs> at Track Listing Pod. Tell your friends, tell your family about Track Listing Podcast. And we sure would appreciate it if you would rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. That's right, Caleb. And you can also find us on chess.com at Track Listing Podcast or reddit.com at Track Listing Podcast. And now back to the episode. Back to the episode. Welcome back to 1995's Johnny Mnemonic soundtrack. But before we get back, we have a game prepared by Caleb Brown. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, this is a new game. We're going to try it out. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to go. You guys are going to be competing against each other. Ooh, it's uh, been a while. Try to do a quick, a while. quick rundown of the rules here. This is a game I'm calling Spotify Feud. I should say also... All right. Hey. Lively audience tonight. <laughs> we're not, Thank you, guys. We're not sponsored by Spotify, even though we're constantly mentioning them. Yeah. So this is basically Family Feud rules. You guys are going to be competing against each other, trying to think of the top five tracks on Spotify from certain bands. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to... So I'm going to say the name of the band. You guys are going to ring in by saying your own name. Whoever says your name first gets to guess first on what you think would be their top track on Spotify. Start with number one. And then the next person has to... And then whoever has the highest ranking track out of those two gets to play or pass 
And if you were to emulate any Family Feud host, are you going to be Steve Harvey on this? Are you going to be um, Are you going to be Louis Anderson? Are you going to be Richard Dawson? I'm Richard Dawson, You're Richard even Dawson. though there's like the weird uh, sleaziness. Okay, well, uh, give me. A, there we go. Just <laughs> <laughs> a little kiss. Yeah, just a kiss for everybody on that show. <laughs> uh, so basically, you're going to play or pass. There are five top results, uh, and then once you, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it out with no strikes. Uh, I'm going to give you time to deliberate, but no strikes because there's only five top results. And then the winner of each round is going to get $1. Ooh. Oh, he's got a cold, hard cash. Real money tonight. Wrinkly, hard cash. <laughs> <laughs> it's a All rare right. commodity these All right, days. So you, you guys got a, an idea of how this is going to go, maybe? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Get ready to buzz in. The band for round one is Van Halen. Buzz. Okay, well, you're supposed to say your name, but I'll give I'll give, uh, I'm sorry. I'll give yeah. Chris. Chris's name is Buzz. <laughs> I'm Buzz. All right, Buzz, what is, uh, what is your top Van Halen track on Spotify? <sighs> Caleb, Out of five. Caleb, let me discuss my family. Okay. okay. I'm going to say, show me Panama. Panama. Panama with 187 million, almost 188 million streams is number two. All right, Nick. Nick, I'm gonna buzz in and say that Van Halen's top played song on Spotify is "Jump." Jump, 442 million streams at number one. Number one. Oh, Jump. good answer. Good answer. Hey, good answer. Good answer. So I should say before we get into this, I'm p- trying to pick like bands that haven't put anything out in a while because uh, with with Spotify's algorithm, it's not always the most stream. Sometimes it has to do with the most. Uh, recently re- uh, released but uh so we have two answers off the board two out of five chris you're out of, you gotta wait here nick uh do you want to play or do you want to pass uh, i'm gonna play so i'm gonna play for what i expect van halen's third third fourth or fifth third fourth or fifth all right no strikes so you, if you get one wrong then it goes to chris if chris gets one right I then he wins the, the point I go for the i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that running with the devil is the third most streamed song on spotify we pulled 345 million spotify users worldwide <laughs> and they said with 132 million streams Running with the Devil hey! at number three. Yeah. Hey, good job. Yeah, you guys know you're Van Halen. All right. Big VH fans right, over there here. There are two Van Halen tracks still on the board. Number four there and number five. There better not be a Sammy Hagar song in there, but we'll find out. <laughs> you never know. There's always some weird Christian, like uh, Christmas tracks. Um. So I, do I either p- play or pass? No, you, you have to keep playing. You, you have, have to, to keep play. playing. Until yeah. you get one wrong. And then it goes to Chris to So steal. that was 132 million with Running with the Devil. Let me think for one second. I should say that I'm I'm so bad with uh, song titles that this is kind of like uh, I get to host because I know I would fucking flame out. I can never think of the songs. <laughs> I'm trying to pick bands that I know that both of you are very familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say number four, maybe somewhere around the hundred million mark is Jamie's Crying. Jamie's Crying is not on the top five. Ooh. Okay. Nikki's crying tonight. Nikki's crying. All right, so I'm going to hold up a dollar bill. Okay. I'm going to go for this deal. There are two tracks still on the top five. You have one opportunity to take this dollar bill or else it goes to Nikki. 
right. Uh, I think Mima's got the good answer for this one. So we're passing it to Mima Darden. Mima Darden. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say <laughs> Hot for Teachers got to be up there. Hot for Teacher. Oh. 96 million streams <laughs> yeah. at number four. Yes. Dollar goes to Chris. <laughs> yeah. uh, ain't talking about love. Oh. That was going to be my guess for number five. I, I, was, I, I was reeling after that one. After you said Jamie's crying, I was like... Surprise, now Jamie's crying. I just, guess. Uh, all right. Good job, guys. Today. How yeah. do you like this game? That's, That's fine. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Hands on buzzers. Okay. Uh, we are going into round two. The band for round two. Just say buzz. I like buzz. Just say buzz. I'll watch your faces. There's only two of you. <laughs> the band for round two is Hollow Notes. Buzz. Buzz. I think Nikki had that one. I got to give it to Nikki. <laughs> I'm going to say number one is you make my dreams come true 531 million streams almost 532 you make my dreams come true at number one hey Hey, good answer answer. player pass player pass play okay you're gonna play uh number two hollow notes or anything in the top five anything in the top five uh i'm gonna say rich girl at number two or three Chris likes that answer. How about answer. Mima Darden? Answer. <laughs> what say, Mima? <laughs> Rich Girl, 282 million streams is at number three. All right. Two songs off the board. Nikki, give me another Hall Notes track. How about Maneater in the top five? 276 million streams with Maneater at number two. Yes. Hall and Notes. Yes. Good job, Nikki. Two tracks left in the top five. Think about it. Don't rush. Okay. Um, Chris, are you a Hollow Notes fan? I am a Hollow Notes fan. Which one do you like better? I like Holland. <laughs> Is that both? <laughs> Holland Oats and Peter Gabriel. <laughs> uh, I saw Oats in real life once. Like at the mall? Um, he was at a concert that uh, was $80 just for Oats. And uh, I did not pay for admission, but I saw him afterwards. Okay. Hung out at the bar. I don't think I have an answer off the top of my head, so oh, I think no. I'm going to have to pass. All right. I'm going to hold up a dollar bill. Chris, it's your chance to steal. Hollow notes, two tracks left. And this is a gamble, Caleb. But I think Sarah Smile. Your answer is Sarah Smile. Do you want to lock that in? Uh, yeah, I guess so. He's going full Regis on you. At number five... With almost 70 million streams is one of my favorite songs. I can't go for that. No can do. I can't go for that. No. At number four, with almost 73 million streams, is Sarah Smile. Congratulations. All right. All right. How are we doing on time? We got a couple more? Yeah, we got time. Four or five more rounds. That'd be great. <laughs> do this all night. Yeah. Okay, so we have ooh, a very special track listing uh, round here. Hands on buzzers. You guys yeah. ready? Yeah. Ready. Test them out. Say buzzer. Buzzer. Bzz. Okay. Just got that one first. All right. The band is Sugar Ray. Buzz. All right, Nikki. You know five Sugar Ray songs? Well, well let's find out. You might pass. If you get it right, you can pass. I'm going to say that Sugar Ray's top streamed song on Spotify is Fly. 
Here at Tracklisting, we asked 345 million Spotify users, <laughs> what is your top Sugar Ray song? Chris likes this. With 81 million streams is Fly. Okay. Nikki, do you want to play or pass? I'm going to play. <laughs> it's worked out for you so far. It has not worked at all. But got to keep going. Got to keep trying. Four more Sugar Ray songs. Well, you can't play? pass it to Chris because he's a close personal friend of Mark McGrath. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, shout I, I out to, to Mark McGrath for his very kind words on uh, one of our recent episodes. Yeah, the sweetest, uh, sweetest man in the world. He's Off a, the charts, but always in your hearts. <laughs> he's a pretend listener, and we really appreciate all of our pretend <laughs> yeah, listeners. He's a big fan. Uh, I'm going to follow up and say that the Sugar Ray song "Every Morning" is number two on Spotify. So at number one with 81 million streams was "Fly." This is a quirk of of Spotify. At number two, with 127 million streams, way more streams, it's every morning. All right. Congratulations, Nikki. Okay. Two tracks off the board, three left. What do you got for me? Maybe uh, ask Chris about uh, Mark McGrath while I think on this. (laughs) Uh, What's Mark McGrath? We were doing uh, uh, the Zoom trivia. Yeah. And uh, somebody, one of the hosts mentioned that they're like... uh, Friends, friends with, with Mark McGrath. Yeah. Or so somebody said they gave it, like Mark McGrath gave their friend like gonorrhea or something. Oh, well, that was somebody else, but somebody was like, Oh yeah, Mark McGrath. Like, uh, he said he would come on the, the zoom trivia. And I was like, a cold shiver ran down my spine. <laughs> Sounds right. like Mark. <laughs> Nikki. I don't think I have an answer for you. More right. sugar Ray songs. Yeah. Naming five sugar Ray songs. <laughs> Oh, you're a Sugar Ray fan? Name every song ever. (laughs) All right, Chris, I'm holding up a dollar bill. Oh, no. (laughs) It's your opportunity to steal. There's three Sugar Ray tracks still on the board. I I mean, I I can tell you right now, I'm I'm already, my well is run dry. But um, I think there's a song called, um, oh, God, what is the name of that? Shake, Shake something? Shake, Shake? Ooh. (laughs) Is your final answer Shake, Shake? Yeah. All right, well, at number five, <laughs> I'm just going to blow through this. So they had a song on, I guess, the, the Surf's Up soundtrack is a, uh, an animated film called Into Yesterday with 14 million streams. When it's over. When it's over. When it's yeah. over. Ah. At number four with 32 million. And then Someday, which is also Someday. Really- Unfortunately, none of the uh, top five Sugar Ray songs include their song from the Scream 2 soundtrack. No, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a Rivers? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Nikki, you get a dollar. All right. Good. All right, I think we might be at our last round. Okay. okay. I got a dollar right here. The crowd is excited for that dollar tonight. My most a terrible Johnny Carson impression. <laughs> All right. Fingers on buzzers. You guys ready? Yes. Tesla's buzzers. Buzzer. Feet on buzzer. Okay. The band is Daft Punk. Buzzer. Okay, Chris, what is your top Daft Punk track? Recently retired. Okay, recently retired. Shout out to Daft Punk. Are you doing all right after the re- retirement announcement? I, I, you know what? It was a rough week, uh, TBH. Um, but I, I, I have faith that they'll reunite. I feel like there's too much um, money involved. And they're the only ones equipped to tour in this uh, pandemic. Um, because they're yeah. safety protocol with the helmets and the robots. Way ahead of their time <laughs> so, in many ways. <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, top stream, uh, get lucky on Spotify. This is, a, this is a quirk of Spotify with 545 million streams. 
at number two is Get Lucky. Okay. okay. Nikki, you have an opportunity to steal. I'll steal. I'll st- well, you have to you have to one up him before you can steal. What is what what do you think you can get number is one. Daft Punk's top track? I think that Daft Punk's number one stream song on Spotify is one more time. At number one with three hundred and one million streams, which is less than Get Lucky, but at number one is one more time. Nikki, you have control. Do you want to play or do you want to pass? I'm gonna pass. Mm. All right, Balls Chris. in uh, Mima's court. <laughs> Mima, what do you got on Daft Punk? Oh, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. All right, My think favorite. it over. Okay. No um, rash decisions. I think Daft Punk were like, you know, partly responsible for starting up, uh, what's Jay's, title? Oh, they yeah. were in that weird title trailer yeah. where they're like at a board meeting, just sitting there like in full... <laughs> robot causing not saying anything Metal hands just, apparently title is like a, one of still like a great streaming service as far as quality is concerned much yeah. better than spotify i think that uh i thought i read that like jay-z might have like cashed out i think people might have kind of bailed on it i think they did yeah. um i think everyone was just like doubling up on streams you should be thinking more and talking less okay i think around the world is going to be on there Ooh. top five your answer is around the world. You gonna lock in? World. I'm, I'm locked in. That's what me and told me to do. At number five, with almost 167 million streams, is around the world. Yes. Two tracks left. Think it over. I think there was some musician. I forget who it was. Someone from the 90s. Is like some, someone from Eve Six or something tweeted this week that uh, is like at some point in Jay Z's life he must have said to someone like this is my fiance beyonce <laughs> it's like, thank you for that um chris uh, this really is good. this is uh i hope it's up there because it's my favorite song of theirs but um digital love is that on there come on come At on number three Give no that's me. a lie digital love is not on the top five <sighs> nikki you have an opportunity to steal there's two tracks left i think that punk's top five i bet that one of them would be another track not get lucky from their most recent album or their last album i guess random access memories i can't remember the name of this one it's the the name of the track with uh panda bear singing vocals on the track uh, the one that's the Steve Monite ripoff. <laughs> that's the one I was thinking. I of. don't know the name of it, but I'm gonna. It's another track from Random Access Memories. Show me a song from Random Access. I don't Memories. think that's an acceptable answer. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Harvey, not an acceptable room? answer, but it also is not in the top five. Okay, okay. You know what song I'm talking about? Yeah, it's yes. actually not a bad one. It's a kind of slow jam. Yeah. At number four. Here, Chris, here's your dollar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I fucked up the reveal. At number four <laughs> with uh, 198, well, it doesn't work if you don't say the name. Uh, 198 million streams, harder, better, faster, stronger. Oh, of course. Of course. course. Yeah. of course. And then the weird one at number three, off of uh, Random Access Memories, featuring Julian Casablanca's. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Instant that Crush. Yes. Oh, man. I'm surprised something about us wasn't on that. A little bit of a weird one. Yeah. All right. I tell you what. I do have one more dollar. Okay. Are we going long? How do you guys feel? Another round? Yeah. We could do one more. Sure. One more dollar. Yeah. One more dollar. I'm like very eager to (laughs) keep playing. Yeah. (laughs) Just play for three more hours. (laughs) One last round. Okay. This is a band that uh, we all love, and I think it might make us worse at the game. 
Okay. Fingers on buzzers. You guys ready? Yes. Say Buzz. buzzer. Buzzer. Buzz. Ooh, Chris won that one. Uh, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> top five tracks for the band Electric Light Orchestra. Buzzer. That was Nick. That was Nick. Yeah, we all know it. Electric Light Orchestra. Number one stream song on Spotify. Not my favorite ELO song, but it's got to be Mr. Blue Sky. 503 million streams at Mr. Blue Sky. Pretty good one. Pretty good song. Paul, also, McC- also Paul McCartney also, I remember him saying, he's like, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I would have wrote that one. No, <laughs> good. I was recently featured in a few soundtracks, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and also Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I think probably juice up these stats pretty high. Uh, do you want to play or pass? I will play. All right. I would go out on a limb and say that Telephone Line is also in the top five. Great song. You know, it's funny. I uh, I think that was in some P.T. Anderson soundtrack. Was that in uh, uh, in Magnolia? Billy Madison soundtrack. Billy Madison. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy that the that Happy Madison um, company hasn't ever put out a soundtrack for those Adam Sandler movies. There's so much great music in those movies. Yeah. Um, I was I was testing out this game uh, with Steph earlier, trying to figure out like is it too hard, too easy, blah blah. blah. I'm really bad at um, my first my well my first guess was Mr. Blue Sky. My second was Telephone Line. Telephone Line's not on there. It uh, unfortunately uh, does not <laughs> appear in the top five. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Chris. A chance to steal. An easy chance to steal the last dollar out of my greasy pocket. Godzilla? Are you seeing movies? <laughs> go, go, Godzilla. Your answer is go, go, Godzilla. Are you going to lock that in? Yeah. All right. At number five, <laughs> with 35 million streams, is Evil Woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy? At number four, 62 million streams, is Last Train to London. <laughs> Uh, He's teasing you. ELO's disco track, which is a pretty good song. Number three. I think I have a guess of what number three might be. You want to take a guess? I think it might be. It's a a song we've talked about before. Don't Bring Me Down. Number three, Living Thing. Living Thing. Go Go Godzilla is Blue Oyster. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, Don't Bring Me Down. Nikki's right. Nikki, here's your dog. Right. What was I Very thinking? Go <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla. Hey guys, thanks for playing uh, Spotify that was Feud. That's great. I'm I'm really upset. <laughs> Show me Godzilla <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. Go <laughs> Go Godzilla. Oh, why did oh, I think? No. That's, <laughs> that's truly incredible. Um, thank you, Caleb, for the new game. Do you guys want to mm-hmm. jump back into Johnny Mnemonic? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Coming back in on track number seven. This is God Lives Underwater with No More Love.
God Lives Underwater. This was a band I was uh, sadly not familiar with. (laughs) And uh, they're credited as a techno rock band, which kind of spooks me a little bit. And uh, a lot of their album covers are also pretty spooky. A lot of doll stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're out out of uh, like rural Pennsylvania. And I think that they were quote unquote discovered by Rick Rubin. I think he produced like the first few albums. But they uh, heard them and thought that was going to be the next uh, Again, it's it's kind of like a... um, Hedge your bets sort of thing. unappetizing East Coast version of Alice in Chains. Mm -hmm. I could hear that. I think that the I think that unbeknownst to us in uh, New York City, there was kind of a a parallel and uh, and shittier version of like the grunge explosion that just didn't catch on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I can definitely hear that Alice in Chains. This kind of yeah. sounds like the song Wood. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little techno-y. All these bands, they're like in touch with what's happening. Everybody, I think, was trying to figure out like what was going to happen post hair metal. Like, I like grunge, but I also want to do ecstasy at the concert. <laughs> I don't think this is ecstasy. <laughs> I know that Keanu Reeves loved this band. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've had some music that's been used in other movies before. Um, they had a song that was in National Lampoon's Senior Trip. And they were also featured on one of those uh, Mortal Kombat spinoff albums <laughs> that, we've, we uh, that we mentioned. The Mortal Kombat connection to this movie is so wild. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's not that crazy. I saw a couple years later. In the Wikipedia article on this band, there was, you know, (laughs) you kind of gauge like how successful a band is uh, when it's something you don't know and it's on a soundtrack Mm. by whether, like how prominently it mentions the soundtrack that you're researching. Mm. And um, in this Wikipedia article, it it like uh, (laughs) references Johnny Mnemonic as the financially successful film Johnny Mnemonic. And I was like, I don't think... This movie did not make money. <laughs> it, it made $52 million, uh on a $30 million budget. It like almost doubled it. But they, people say generally, like generally that uh, the budget for a film is doubled in promotion or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that the film isn't successful unless it like more than doubles right. its production budget. I think it was a bit of a cult classic, you know, and it's um, ahead of its time in some ways. In um, some other ways, it's way behind its time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it paved the way for a lot of cool stuff. Um, I, I would I would reference um, The Matrix again. I think uh, it was a film that made a good trailer in the 90s that I remember being kind of excited for it. Yeah. You know, it, it disappointed. I think even as a kid, I was kind of like, ah, okay. I, I remember as a kid recognizing that Keanu Reeves is a bad actor. Because uh, I, I own this on DVD, so it was a little oh, late to the game. Yeah, but it was like, if you like The Matrix, you'd like this. And okay, so I okay. watched The Matrix first, and then I bought the Johnny Mnemonic DVD, and then I saw it, and I was like... I like the idea but, of like young Darden film critic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's very, not good. He's stinky. Not good. Yeah. I mean, with, with Keanu, I remember obviously like the Bill and Ted and then uh, Point Break was really good. And Point Break was amazing. Great film. Good soundtrack. Too. And then Speed, of course, was the big breakout. And I think this was this like right after Speed or maybe right before. It was kind of like would have been this, right after Speed, I think. Yeah, so it was. He <laughs> was definitely like one for me, one for you, yeah. which is like I'm. You're gonna like one, and then like oof. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, God lives underwater. Also had a song that ended up being used in a uh, in a Nike ad. Nice at some point, but I had trouble tracking that down. I think it's been scrubbed. A lot of those ads have been completely scrubbed. It's very difficult to find commercials of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got to have like a VHS. Mm-hmm. 
That's you why know, you like taped off of TV. Yeah, that's why I'm on this big. Like everyone digitized your like VHS things that you've recorded off the TV. Right. It's a dying medium, and it's swiftly, um, you know, declining or deteriorating. Shout out to uh, everything is terrible for their amazing <laughs> VHS archival yeah. work. Yeah, man. Chris, do we know where in the film this song plays? This is the first credit song. Um, so great scene (laughs) first of three was that right first of three um and they only play like a snippet of each yeah they they, they like blend through a few they they Mm -hmm. pass through a few pretty quick i think that the the licensing for this film was kind of a mess because i think they kept like cutting and recutting and they'd already paid for music and they had to put it in the movie somewhere yeah they had to do it oh yeah uh, I, I think the movie ends sort of abruptly, too. I mean, there's a really long, like, penultimate scene, and then it's like the epilogue thing is they just look out the window and the farm com building is on fire. Yeah, it's they're on like, fire. And they're like, nice. And then it's over. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? But there, there, I should say that there is a, uh, a little bit of a romantic subplot that's, like, really injected and then forgotten about immediately yeah yeah jane and johnny jane two people with no chemistry awkwardly kiss once and then never mention it again the, the kiss comes out of nowhere <laughs> I, I i guess the only thing that's building up to it is like at one point you know johnny's like oh my brain <laughs> and he like passes out and jane's like what's going on oh my god it's your memories are like you have too much data and you, you gotta delete some of those things in your brain because you're overloaded whatever you have too many gigs in your brain <laughs> and then five seconds later they're walking and then jane's like oh and she passes <laughs> out and he catches her and she's like sorry it's my nas i have the black shakes well that's the thing is that he 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 was going to leave her in the sewers yeah and then she was kind of like i know somebody that can help you and then and he's like, oh my god! <laughs> Everybody seems, to, especially Johnny, seems to be uh, propelled only by self-interest. Yeah, I mean, it's his brain that we end up. Uh, spoiler alert! It uh, it turns out it has the um, the cure for NAS, which is a disease that affects half. Um, yeah, the pharmaceutical the company world. they went through the trouble of researching a cure, mm-hmm. and then they went through way more trouble to bury the cure. Apparently. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, because they make more money from treating the disease. And uh, it's like, okay, maybe you just make the cure really expensive. <laughs> That's what they've done with, like, some hepatitis, right? Yeah. You have to spend, like, fucking 40 grand to cure your hepatitis. Yeah, man. Or, like, insulin. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, I mean, that, I guess that's the argument for, uh, for treatment being more profitable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at track eight, and uh, I'm a little spooked out. Let's get spooked. It's a creepy track. This is Bono in the Edge with Alex descends into hell for a bottle of milk slash Corova One. Bono in the Edge, the uh, the better half of you two. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't know. No Adam Clayton, no Larry Mullins Jr. Yeah, where they're like, I'm okay, talking you two guys. <laughs> they're like, thank you for. <laughs> All right, <laughs> two of you just split off. This is, I think we can agree. 
Uh, well, I don't know if they've hit there. This is probably the worst period for you two. Mm. When they got like, you know, they, they peaked, they were huge. And then I, they started to get into uh, Batman Forever territory. I was going to say, I own the Batman Forever soundtrack, and that was the first, uh, I think that song is credited to you too, not just Bono and the Edge. Yeah. And uh, I was obsessed with that song when I was a kid. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Which I haven't listened to lately. I don't know if it still holds up. We did. We featured an episode, uh, the Batman Forever soundtrack. That was like um, probably more than a year ago, but I think that was a pretty good episode. I still sometimes daydream about what the Edge would sound like without a delay pedal <laughs> just like clank 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 <laughs> i remember there there are accounts of uh, that i think that bono and the edge don't really get along that well so i think it's kind of weird Makes that sense. they like kick the rest of the band of the curb to do some i mean i should say he can't he can't uh, take his beanie off or else his head will fall <laughs> off <laughs> i remember uh this song i i think i I picked it out in the movie. It's like scoring like a uh, video call that they make. Yeah, it was the one of the things they got wrong about the future is that we'll be using phone cards. Still. Yeah, yeah. Can I borrow your phone card? And she's like, I guess. Nobody has a mobile phone. They're they're like making a call, like an I guess a payphone essentially, but mm-hmm. it's a video payphone. Yeah. The title to this song is a uh, Clockwork Orange. Very ham-fisted reference of Clockwork Orange, which is a a much better film and a film that has very little to do with this movie. (laughs) Alex descends into hell for a bottle of milk, right? Or for a bottle, aka the Corova song. It's like slash coronavirus. Well, they go to the uh, in in a Clockwork Orange. They go to the milk bar. It's a Corova milk bar where they get the milk plus. Yeah. Like uh, I I guess what I meant is like just in case you didn't catch it, (laughs) aka Corova. So that's just so you know. (laughs) We're making a reference. The hallmark of a person having read one book. <laughs> was this was this a uh, MacFisto era? You two? <laughs> it might have been, uh, I feel like this might be a little bit before that, but it's definitely yeah. It's it's close to it. It's Bono's alter ego, who is like a cowboy Joker type character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember With, that. Like, the devil, but also what a was clown. he thinking? I, I, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> I have to assume that this era there was some sort of mutiny between the U two members who. They took the leap of taking the rock star name, mm-hmm. and then there's the guys that were just like, "I'm not doing it." Yeah, I'm playing bass. My name's Adam Clayton. Like, deal with it. <laughs> and I think maybe that was this, the creative split. And it's mm-hmm. like, "I'm the Edge. I'm Bono." And it's like, Larry Mullins Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're gonna do our own thing. We use our imaginations. <laughs> Bono Vox. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Adam Mullins. <laughs> I just remember South Park always railing on Bono throughout. It's like the arc for a lot of uh, episodes. Yeah, where he's yeah, actually just yeah. like a big turd. <laughs> Bono. I mean, yeah. I happy happy St. Patty's Day, everybody. I like I like you two more than a lot of people, but uh, yeah, this is like a little bit of a weird. I mean, even in the context of this soundtrack, I guess it's not that bad. It's just like this feels like score essentially yeah yeah, yeah. it feels like score that was abandoned and then shoehorned into a weird episode like part of the uh, part of the movie that didn't really stand out i think that's uh shockingly accurate (laughs) (laughs) exactly what happened (laughs) you guys want to hear some of track number nine yeah we've got stabbing westward again with nothing Something deep inside us dying I try to understand my thoughts There's 
Yeah, I I do remember this song. I think this is yeah. probably their biggest hit. I think this was maybe the track of theirs that was on. It was in the Bad Boys movie that didn't make it onto the Bad Boys soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember the song that clearly, but there's like the there's certain like a guitar parts that kind of distorted uh, industrial guitar part. I think I remember maybe it most so clearly cool for the time. Oh, I think yeah. that it was. Oh, yeah. Very heavily used. I think I probably remember it most for probably like a commercial break for the Loveline uh, radio show, which I used to listen to. <laughs> Adam as Carolla a kid. on MTV. It would, it would be it's it's like Dr. a thing Drew. that would be playing when they would like come back in after the commercials, right? Or they would I think it does a weird promo. phone calls where some guys like super glued his dick like onto his hand. I used to love that. It's so it's so tragic that both of them. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot more you know to them being disappointing in my adulthood, but they're also like a kind of like early covid deniers yeah i just don't see what the big deal is There's adam so carolla taking another car <laughs> oh my god the uh, like the inability of oh, no, oh. Hey, hey breaking news oh my goodness john oates teams up with sasquatch for edm spin on hall and oates song man eater <gasps> this Whoa. is also not planned <laughs> <laughs> You heard that correct. John Oates has teamed up with the uh, giant uh, viral saxophone player Sasquatch. Uh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah. For a new EDM spin on the Hollow classic Maneater. And uh, John Oates went on to say, I've had a lot of otherworldly experiences in my career, but none as mystical and magical as this collab with the amazing soulful Sasquatch. Oates said of the unlikely collaboration in the statement, he brings the funk out of the forest and put a smile on the face of the world. Meeting him in the woods to shoot the video was a life-changing moment. As soon as we began recording, I knew we had something special. The mark of a good song is that it can be reimagined in a lot of ways. This is, without a doubt, the coolest version I've ever heard. So let's hear a little bit of Sasquatch with John Oates. Hmm. I think originally Daryl Hall sang lead vocals on the song, but uh, John Oates is getting his time to shine with this uh, (laughs) giant gorilla playing saxophone. Oh, God. Do yourself a favor and watch the music video. There's a lot of John Oates hugging Sasquatch while he's playing the sax. Wait, and is it an actual Sasquatch? It is a uh, Sasquatch. Uh, it's like, like a Bigfoot? It's like Bigfoot. He like plays uh, EDM festivals. Yeah. Is it Sasquatch? Sasquatch. Yeah. It's Sasquatch? It's Sasquatch. That's what it's pronounced, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent reporting there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What do you guys? I don't actually like hate the track. It's not bad, but it's all. Uh, oh no, I, I, hate it, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, it's it's setting me off on. Um, I mean, there's something that I feel like I'm probably going to be talking about a lot. Uh, there's. I was reading like a an essay about kind of the uh, the dearth of progress in like popular culture, and that everything's like kind of looping back on itself, and mm-hmm. uh, and that creativity like artistic creativity is being like uh, crushed by kind of corporate presence in people's lives through uh through like constant internet access Mm -hmm. and 
the way that people react to music now, or maybe the way people are monetizing music is becoming so divorced from the way that I'm used to enjoying music Mm -hmm. that I think that a lot of songs are becoming successful, not for being good or being like, or provoking the feeling that I'm used to enjoying from music, but instead being some sort of TikTok. It has to be, has to catch some sort of thing, even like, if you watch a commercial and a song is employed very successfully, whether it be like a, a Macintosh commercial or like a, you know, Nick Drake in that Volkswagen commercial, it's you're like, Oh, I I'm, this feels manipulative, but at least it's like relating to music in the way that I'm used to relating to music where it's like, this makes me feel like nostalgic or, you know, this is a great song and you yeah. know, this is fucking the way you put this together. It makes me like enjoy the song even more. But now it's like the way that, uh, music is monetized through like TikTok. It's just like this is a thing that serves like a weird purpose. Where like, oh, like yeah, man eater, and they're just looking for some sort of weird viral like catch, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with a song being like good or even enjoyable. It just has to like really just fucking dig in there and like. <laughs> Not even for the entire song. They're really just looking for like 10 seconds of a thing that mentions a thing that somebody would evoke some sort of, I don't know. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of this this new, um, I, I don't know if the, if music is actually going to like uh, change that much to the way that um, people are, are consuming it, uh, but this fills me with fear and dread. <laughs> Sex Squatch did go on to say about the collaboration. <laughs> That I like music that gets people's big feet tapping along. It's been a rough year for everyone. We could all use music and stories that help us dance and feel less alone. I know a lot about feeling alone. Yeah. Cheer up, Sax Squatch. Come on, Sax Squatch. You're all right. I think, um, you know, as a samurai sword becomes stronger each time it is folded over, by the time you get the seventh re-edit of Maneater, it's the strongest of all. So I believe that to be the the best version of Man Eater I've ever. Yeah, I mean nothing. <laughs> you know, nobody is hurt by another song being made, and uh, this is certainly another song. <laughs> <laughs> and just in case you were worried, Sack Squatch and Oats <laughs> will reunite on Saturday as wait. part of the Oats Song Fest seven nine zero eight live stream that will also feature Daryl Hall, Dave Grohl, Bob Weir, Yim Yam, Sheila E, Jewel. And uh, many more to come. Hey, rock and roll is still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Oh, great reporting there, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Rolling Stone Magazine. You guys want to jump back in? Johnny Mnemonic. Let's Let's do do it. it. We are coming in on track number 10, the last track. This is Brad Fidel with Send It Out. Oh, Brad Fidel. We've talked about Brad Fidel on uh, one of our recent episodes. I think I mentioned his uh, one-man show yeah. called Borrowed Time, yeah. which is kind of a retrospective of his career as a film composer. Yeah. And uh, I think he had had it with the industry and went out on his own and said, I'm going to do a one-man show. And uh, the only thing I can really equate that one-man show to is those uh, SNL 
sketches that it's like the high school theater show. <laughs> it's like trying to be kind of woke. Yeah. And it's it's you know almost laughable. It's a terrible one man show. We watched some clips and uh, it looked like a real bummer. <laughs> yeah. Brad Fidel, what happened? Oh, so, yeah. But like, he's done some great scores. We mentioned True Lies and yeah. uh, Terminator Two. Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I should say, I mentioned earlier that uh, there were apparently some lost uh, scores to this film and uh, different cuts. It seems obvious to me that, uh, that Brad Fidel was brought in late to like do a complete like rehaul. And in my mind, the score is like kind of way too present in the film. Yeah. And, uh, especially trying to like pick out the soundtrack. You're like, the soundtrack's not in this movie. This is like a scored film. And this, uh, in this part that I picked out for this track, it's like, obviously, you know, there's a brief that's like, we want Terminator 2 meets Blade Runner. Yeah. And they're like, really, he's really trying to ape like the, you know, was it the Vangelis soundtrack to Blade Runner? And, yeah, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, when I talk about earlier, it was this, you know, the essay, the cancellation or collapsing of the future. It's like, you know, the notion in 1995 of what the future should sound like is just like go back to Blade Runner from like you know ten years earlier and make it sound like that or fifteen, 15 years, years earlier. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how is that still the sound of twenty twenty one? It's yeah. like oh yeah, like Vangelis. It's like no man. Yeah. I've seen a clip Think, of Vangelis. Figure like, something else out. It's like showing his studio back in the late seventies, early eighties, and he's like demoing a synthesizer that he has, and he's like, you can let the synth speak to you. <laughs> If you push the right note. <laughs> well, that's that's like the notion that uh, I think that some music critics have and that maybe I, I think I mostly agree with is that for a long time, there was this kind of a feeling that you could create futuristic music uh, that was like mind boggling and that you could do, you know, uh, I'm, I'm too young to have experienced it. But if you like went to see Blade Runner for the first time, you're like, you know, these sounds are new, like everything's kind of new. And it's like that ended somewhere maybe in the early 90s. And then everything just started circling back to where it's like, well, if something's futuristic, what does it sound like? It probably sounds like Blade Runner. It's like, well, what does it look like? It kind of maybe looks like Blade Runner. (laughs) And so everything. And so now we have like this future past thing that just keeps like like collapsing in on itself. It's kind of like the Black Keys music and, you know, Ford commercials. Because anytime you get the brief, it's like, you know, we're going for something cool and edgy uh, that's going to speak to the consumer and get them excited about this uh, new car. Like, okay, what does that sound like? Well, it sounds like Black Keys. (laughs) Well, that's kind of, I think, uh, kind of at the heart of this this cultural criticism and that it's like, there's a brand new sound. Have you heard this brand new band? It's like, it's crazy. It's like, what does it sound like? Well, it sounds like The Doors meets the Beatles or something. It's like, those are just okay, that sounds like two old sounds. (laughs) And that's kind of, I don't know if it's a symptom of uh, society or the symptom of just kind of rock and roll at first is like moving so quickly because it's a new art form. Two olds make a new. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's kind of like, uh, are we, are we kind of at the edge of, of uh, Western like creativity when it comes to music and film? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, but this track and this score sounds like uh, the future via 1985 <laughs> to me. Uh, this is playing uh, as, you know, they're trying to send it out. They're hacking, I guess Keanu's hacking his own brain with his own digital self that he's doubled. 
Um, <laughs> he doubles it. We we have to talk about the last like thirty minutes we of this movie. Which we is haven't talked j- about one of the most pivotal characters in the film. Is it Jones? Jones. Jones. Old Dolphin Jones. I <laughs> thought it was like a little bit of a, a nice reveal, and that uh, like I didn't even remember it from as a, when I was a kid. But there's there's build up about this character. Yeah. You kind of know somebody is going to be important. And I think in your head, you're kind of expecting it to be maybe an actor that you know. Yeah. It's like, it's a thing where you keep mentioning a person and then uh, it shows up and it's a fucking... Dolphin Lundgren? No, just, <laughs> just, just yeah, Dolph- Jones the Dolphin. A straight up cyber dolphin. <laughs> dolphin Lundgren. Dolphin I think Lundgren. it works. I, think yeah, it's I like Dolphin Lundgren. <laughs> I think maybe what Chris was getting after was uh, the last half hour where the movie just goes all into like 3D animation. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of, uh, there's a lot of 3D like lawnmower man style um, Cybertron. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, okay. There was a clip. I had to like take a step back and pause the, you know, the movie. (laughs) And I was like, you've literally got Keanu Reeves, uh, fighting a Jesus, a digital Jesus. Dolph Lundgren is like Jesus savior. He's called the preacher street preacher, but he's like, I am Jesus at one point. Jesus time. Yeah, that whole character. None of that makes any sense. None of it makes sense. It doesn't even need to be in the movie because we already had a Yakuza enforcer. A hat on a hat on a hat. There's a guy named Shinji (laughs) who has like uh, the electric like uh, piano wire. Which I like. It's very cool. They never really touch on it. Like in the Yakuza, if you're dishonored, they take one of your fingers. Yeah, it's It's called Yubetsume. You uh, cut a finger off. So he turned his Mm. dishonor into a strength with this uh, this weird like laser thing. Laser piano wire. Uh, Udo Kier, I guess. Uh, it's pretty good. He dies from that. He dies like in the very like anime movie way where it's like your body sliced and you're like, oh, I think I'm. Fu- oh! And then you like slide <laughs> apart. Which is like, yeah. I think that's the first time I've seen it in like a live action movie. But yeah, there's okay. There's, yeah, it's like a, it's predating Cube by quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's really good. But there's a part where like, uh, there's, you know, Echo the Dolphin is uh, electrocuting. <laughs> A digital Jesus, and then like Keanu's like brain has been hacked, and I was like, "What is like?" If you were to show me that scene, no context, I'm like, I don't know how that could have happened. But they built it up to like get there organically, and I was like, okay, like it's it was earned, even though that's like, it's probably one bunkers. of my favorite parts of the movie is that they're uh, they're constantly kind of like. Uh, they're t- they're telling Johnny about the dolphin, but they don't. They're like ah, they know. Like they've had to introduce people to dolphin before, and you're, they're like, you're not gonna get it. <laughs> so it's a lot of like, oh yeah, he, you know, he was, used to work with the navy. He's a great guy. You were talking about a dolphin. Then <laughs> yeah. nobody was like, yeah, everyone skirts. Like, see, okay. right? yeah. I know when I say this, you're going to freak out, but he's a dolphin. It's like, I'm, we're not going. It's like, come on. <laughs> dolphin Lundgren. <laughs> Guys, that is the soundtrack to Johnny. Hey! Money. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to rate this bad boy and recommend some tracks. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me, guys. Oh, yeah. uh, before we go, we do have to rate and review. I think we agreed earlier that we are going to uh, rate this film out of a possible 15 gigabytes. Megabytes? Gigabytes? Gigabytes. Gigabytes. An almost uh, unfathomable amount of memory. How how much is the... It's uh, 360? 320 gigabytes is what, um, I guess, the Pharmacon cure 
um, that's stored in Keanu's brain is, and nice. he's way overloaded. That's probably he's way overloaded. It's mm. probably about the size of the Snyder cut that just came out. The yeah. Justice League Snyder cut's probably about three twenty gigs. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a time when that would seem kind of crazy. Like I remember my floppy drives were like four megabytes. Oh, I think it was like it was thought to be insane back yeah. then. I mean, in the nineties, yeah, man. You were. I mean, um, if you think about like a Super Nintendo game, that we're talking about like three megabytes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's wild. And this is like the concept of data storage is one of the things that every uh, future movie has gotten wrong. The human brain does hold about 2.5 petabytes, which is like, you know, millions of gigs. That's mm-hmm. uh, and this they're like 320 gigs in the brain. You're oh, take out your childhood. You can't you can't remember your childhood. <laughs> well, I feel like okay, so the discussion when people make fun of this movie, they're always making fun of like how small the the actual storage is. Yeah. But I feel like the one thing that's that's not talked about is that if you had a cure for a disease, you yeah. could probably compress it down to about 500 megabytes yeah like what it's like some papers it's like a few gifs yeah it's like it's like when they when they see you sharing it it's like oh yeah they have some like videos and maybe there's some photos of like through the electron microscope that's true too yeah it's like what do you (laughs) what is the gigabytes it's like a dot doc file anyways out of 15 possible gigabytes which is jesus christ that's so much it's crazy. That's probably like ten episodes of our program. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> You're getting into the uh, the tech speak. Yeah. And uh, also, least favorite, uh, most favorite tracks oh, would God. be appreciated. <laughs> Take it away, Chris. I mean, this was uh, this was a bit of a mess. I think the movie itself was a bit of a mess. I enjoyed the movie. I think the movie is worth going back and watching. It is bonkers. Um, but like, I think it earns a lot of what, uh, you end up seeing on the screen. I think it's an underrated, but, uh, I think it's worth watching anyway, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to uh, be all right. The, uh, the music in the movie, it's mostly score. And then these, like the songs that we have on the soundtrack are totally shoehorned in. And I think it's a, a detriment to the movie itself. Um, I'm going to say my favorite song is probably going to be. Uh, the stabbing westward um, nothing, which we hear twice, uh, once uh, second credit song, and yeah, then another it is, time. It is in the movie and also in the credits. Yeah, and um, I think <laughs> that defines what the film like essence is. You know, yeah. it's like kind of like intense rock with a little bit of digital stuff, and I and I dig that. I think it's good for the movie. Um, and I think my least favorite would maybe be the KMFDM uh, virus pestilence mix, uh, cl- just for the line about ram it up my poop shoot. Um, <laughs> you cannot have a song that says that and take it seriously. Um, I'm going to give this a pretty bad rate. I'm going to give it a, a 3.4 gigabytes. It was uh, just recently I was I was talking to somebody about Carol King, and I, I was kind of like I'm internally baffled that Carol King. Uh, was a writing partner with her husband at the time yeah. who only wrote lyrics. And I'm like, if you took a Carol King song and put any lyrics to it, it would probably still be a hit. Yeah. And the fact that it was probably split uh, 50-50. But I guess like, yeah, if people are like <laughs> writing the word poop shoot into a song. <laughs> like maybe you need somebody in charge of lyrics. Maybe it's important. Maybe it's really I, important. I, I would think Carol King's lyrics are pretty darn good. I'd like to play the lyrics to a song. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Nikki. <laughs> Wait, how many gigabytes was that? 
gigabytes. 3.4. All right, 0 to 15 gigabytes. Oh, boy, this movie and this soundtrack. <laughs> uh, should Robert Longo have gotten into filmmaking? I don't think so. I would say for this soundtrack, I would file this soundtrack under Alexa, play aggressive mood playlist on Spotify. Um, I do want to try to get a hold of the Johnny Mnemonic video game. That yeah. sounds like it might actually be kind of fun to play. If you've got a Sega Saturn we could borrow, uh, that would be much appreciated. I guarantee you that would be not fun at all because it would have everything would have been to try to make it look great. Yeah, it's all it just SMVs. Look, it would just look fucking terrible yeah. and it's like there's no gameplay. Anyways. I bet Video Games New York could maybe uh, hook us up, okay. hook up track mm-hmm. listing podcast. Uh, favorite track is track number four, Sad But True by Orbital. And least favorite track I'm going to say is track number one, the bonus track, Lost by Stabbing Westward, which I don't even think I can call a song. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to give this soundtrack a pretty low rating. I'm going to come in at 2.39 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. Caleb. All right. um, Yeah, I, I, I do maybe have to apologize to you guys you had to suffer through this uh, <laughs> film and soundtrack with me my favorite song by far i think has to be the orbital song sad by true okay. i kind of like uh i kind of actually legitimately like it um least favorite i know that people probably like helmet and uh crazy it's funny that there's a lot of bands on here that i feel like uh probably have uh, fervent fan bases and helmets probably one of them unsung and, telling you it's a good and song. i haven't dug into it enough to there's probably like i said i love the crow soundtrack they have a song on there but that's yeah that helmet song i think i i really dislike um out of pure gigabytes i probably can only give this yeah three gigabytes which is uh you know johnny could have easily taken all the way to newark no problem <laughs> All right. All right, yeah. Thank you, Caleb. Fun pick, Caleb. We do need to uh, recommend a track. All right, uh, yeah, we're this week uh, recommending kind of a a track about the future past, an old song that uh, was trying to predict a future that may or may not have come true. Um, Do you want me to lead off? Go for it. All right, my song, it's from uh, 1982. It's a track that I think has commonly been referred to as a tallow disco because it's a very tallow disco sound. Uh, but I think it was actually written and recorded in Philadelphia. I think it, I think this song may have been um, inspired by E.T. It was around the same time. But uh, it kind of describes a, I would say, like a, a, a character that maybe is interstellar that's imparting wisdom and it's... Um, is it prescient? I don't know. The band is called Q. Uh, the song is called Voice of Q. And it's about a character who's imparting wisdom from beyond and uh, imparting a deeper truth. Yeah, to, like uh, the to real people. Q. Yeah, it's a song about Q. <laughs> oh, God. basically everybody just open up your mind to q they're gonna 
let you know what's going on. <laughs> Dude, wow. is that the inspiration for whoever the fuck started? Nineteen eighty-two on the dance floor. I think that. <laughs> Some all right troll had their ears open. I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> the parallels are pretty unbelievable. Yeah. It's very crazy, but I actually really like this song. <laughs> they sent up to Q. What is playing at the Capitol? Everybody listen up to Q. It's very terrifying. Uh, but, but yeah, what a groove. I really That's like that. That kind of, a, I don't know if it's an actual theremin or that fake theremin sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ghost evangelist it's very danceable and you know if we ever get back on the dance floor maybe someday i'll dj this song and let's see if i can turn some heads <laughs> Dude, i just am laughing my ass off to think of like people at like cpac are dancing and i just listen up the cue. <laughs> All right, Chris, you got to pick for us. I do. Uh, I have a song all the way back from 1969, uh, predicting so far into the future you would uh, you wouldn't even believe it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like a, I guess they're kind of folky, uh, but this folky duo named uh, Zager and Evans, and um, this song reached the number uh, 30 slot in the Billboard charts at the time, and it was a, it was a big hit. Um, I think I heard it on the radio uh, when I was in high school for the first time. It's just this bizarre song, but let's take a listen to uh, In the Year 2525. In the year 3535, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say is in the bill you took today. Yeah, man, it's a it's a classic track. It uh, reinforces one of uh, I feel like my most uh, kind of hilarious observations about human nature is that it it took somebody probably to eat mushrooms to think ahead like ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stone <laughs> ape theory. Yeah, yeah. You know free mean? your mind, bro. <laughs> but they, uh, if you listen to the song, they just kind of leap forward. Um, I guess a thousand years every time, or or the, you know a thousand and a hundred and, yeah, and the, whatever. And just, yeah. the key keeps kicking up. Right? Yeah, it goes faster and faster, and the key gets higher and higher, and then at the end, it's like. Now it's been ten thousand years. <laughs> they definitely, they definitely have that like the the folk voice that I always uh, rip on. But yeah, yeah, the Donovan uh, voice. Yeah, they're they're bizarre dudes, man. It's off of their um, it's off of their album uh, Exordium and Terminus. But yeah, it's definitely it's appropriate. Yeah, definitely two folk rockers that just like fucking trip balls. And we're like, hey. anyway, Zager right. and Evans, check them out. All right, Nikki, do you have a song of future past? I've got a song for us. This is also from 1982. This is the song 1999 from the album 1999 by Prince. Like it's night 
song came out in 1982. And I remember when I listened to that song as a kid, I always found it kind of funny that uh, these people were imagining themselves partying like 17 years in the uh, not too distant future mm-hmm. and like what that could possibly look like. Um, but yeah, great track. And, uh, you know, I remember being in like second or third grade trying to think ahead to my thirties and it just seemed like some far away universe, <laughs> like what could possibly be happening. I remember, I mean, I think I was just graduated high school. Uh, and then I think I had to like gone to college and came back and that was the, 19 you know 1999 new year's eve yeah if like 30 uh, year old me went back to like 10 year old me and told me that you know you'd be doing a show with two of your best friends about music i'd be super psyched what a sweet thing i i uh, lost most of my childhood because of the um implant that i'm data (laughs) you're getting harvested yeah i can't remember anything (laughs) because i just want to make for all that steely dan music it's like (laughs) It's got too many. It's got too many uh, photos for his phone. Yeah, that's so, true. I had yeah. to make more iCloud storage. So that they wipe out. They, they go into Chris's brain, and he's got four million copies of Gaucho. So what's happening? Uh, yeah, I remember the New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine, and this song got like a decent amount of play. But yeah, uh, I think recheck, Will, yeah. Will Smith did a song called "The Millennium." Yeah, that got the most like, play. Heavily sampled the Clash, which is like another another example of why the future just sounds like the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I do consider this the millennium, and we're twenty twenty one years into this millennium. Uh, so, I don't know if it's as good as the last one, but. Oh, should we we should tease the next episode? I think uh, is it Nikki's it's pick? Nick's pick. That's right. I've got a pick for us guys for next week. It's yeah. a uh, it's a movie about college. Yeah, uh, it takes place in California. Ooh. Ooh, could this be starring a comedy legend? Uh, possibly. Go on, Jack Black. Jack Black is in the movie. <laughs> right. Jack Black, College, California. Lit may be on the soundtrack. They may not be. Ooh, Any I, ideas? I know what it is. You know what it I is. already know what it is. Right, you, listeners, guess what it is. And if you're uh, following along at home, try to watch the movie uh, oh, with yeah. us. Yeah. So, right, thanks everybody for listening to Johnny Mnemonic. Thank you, Caleb, for the 1995 classic. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.